it's Dan. The team is working on some great stories for the fall, including one about the historic new prescription drug pricing policies Democrats are on the verge of passing in Washington. Until then, make sure you're subscribed to our newsletter, which this week includes a Q&A with Tradeoffs Research Council member and drug policy expert Stacy Dusetsina, who breaks down this major bill. Subscribe by clicking the link in the show notes or going to tradeoffs.org. The legislation also includes hundreds of billions of dollars to address climate change. Today, we're revisiting our episode from earlier this year about the healthcare industry's role in climate change, and we've got a few updates at the end of the show. The evidence is clear. Climate change is bad for our health, often deadly, and the industry that's supposed to heal us is a big part of the problem. The healthcare sector is almost 10% of our greenhouse gas emissions. So the healthcare sector is a major climate polluter. Today, healthcare's role in the climate crisis and what policies are needed to shrink its carbon footprint. From the studio at the Leonard Davis Institute at the University of Pennsylvania, I'm Dan Gorenstein. This is Tradeoffs. The U.S. healthcare system represents all the contradictions of our economy. It's built on fossil fuels, it's built on toxic chemicals, it buys food that contributes to the very diseases that it's trying to solve for. So the healthcare sector is itself a major polluter, but its mission is to heal people. So the contradiction between its mission and its operations is profound. Gary Cohn is the co-founder and president of the global nonprofit Healthcare Without Harm. Gary's been an environmental activist since the mid-80s. Working with moms and dads who were concerned with the fact that their kids might wake up choking because of the bad air or that they got skin lesions after they took a bath. But in 1996, Gary read a government report that shifted his focus. It said medical waste incinerators were one of the top sources of cancer-causing pollution. When we learned that the healthcare sector, hospitals, were a leading source, we said, my God, we have to do something about that because this sector, of any sector of the economy, needs to understand the links between the environment and people's health and clean up their own house, their facilities. That year, Gary got together with a few other environmentalists and healthcare advocates to start Healthcare Without Harm, primarily to help hospitals do better. Over the next 15 years, the organization helped shrink the number of medical waste incinerators in the U.S. from around 4,500 to just 54. It was a major victory, and part of the reason Gary won a MacArthur Genius Award in 2015. But the buildings that heal us are still causing harm, and the stakes have only gotten higher. Climate change is a health emergency. Climate change is causing more severe weather disasters. Tropical cyclones, hurricanes, floods, wildfires, periods of really extreme heat. Causing things like decline in water quality, increased risk of respiratory disease, and a negative impact on our mental health conditions. And we are doing this to ourselves. 
In the early 2000s, Gary helped start Practice Green Health, which sells healthcare organizations tools and resources to help them reduce their environmental impact. The latest research shows that 8.5% of all greenhouse gas emissions in the U.S. are produced by the healthcare sector. Some of those emissions come from the hospital itself, anesthetic gases used in surgery, gasoline-guzzling vehicles, the electricity needed to keep the lights on. But the vast majority of healthcare's emissions, Gary says, come from outside the four walls of the hospital. It's in the supply chain and the investments they make. And that's somewhere between 70 and 82% of the entire uh, climate footprint of the healthcare sector. Given that so much of the pollution is happening via the supply chain, Gary, as opposed to what's happening on the campus, what options do hospitals have to really try to make changes to the supply chain footprint? Yeah. Our experience over the last 25 years has has shown us that if you can aggregate the power of many hospital systems, they can go to the supply chain, to the companies that are producing and saying, look, this is what we want to buy safer pharmaceuticals, to buy reusable materials instead of throwaway plastics, to buy more local and sustainable food for their facilities instead of industrialized food produced with lots of pesticides. And the companies will respond because the volume of healthcare is so large. Healthcare is 20% of the U.S. economy, so it has enormous economic power. And so we see that as the driver for innovation in the supply chain. What maybe, Gary, is the best example of these hospitals marshalling their resources and leveraging their buying power, where you've seen some significant movement? We found that the furnishings that hospitals bought for their facilities were full of toxic chemicals. So we designed a standard with the hospitals that said, we don't want to have any of these flame retardants that are toxic. We don't want to have any of these Teflon-like chemicals that build up on our bodies. We don't want to have PVC plastics. And over the course of four years, several hundred hospitals bought safer furnishings worth over $800 million. And a hundred different companies said, we can innovate to provide those safer furnishings. So they've responded to the huge economic demand of the hospital saying, we want healthier products for our facilities. Gary says a great next step in greening the medical supply chain would be for hospitals to purchase fewer items made with toxic plastics and switch to reusable or biodegradable materials for things like IV bags, gowns, and gloves. So, Gary, I know some hospitals are trying to cut back on the emissions more directly under their control, switching to renewable energy, electric vehicles, things like that. But but what percent of hospitals are seriously engaging in thinking about how to be less of a polluter in their community and in the world? Like, are we talking about a minority of hospitals or what? So we have a membership division called Practice Screen Health. And this is sort of the technical assistance arm that 
provides guidance to hospitals around the kind of changes they could make. There's 1,400 hospitals in the United States that are members of that. That's a 25% of all the hospitals in the country. Inside of that, there's a leadership group of about 10% of the U.S. hospitals that are really making these bold commitments around their own climate footprint. We need to get that up to 20 and 30%, and then we need, hopefully, the government to come in to incentivize that and to regulate them so that's standard for the future of healthcare. When we come back, Gary shares what policies he thinks are needed to get the rest of the country's hospitals to start cleaning up their environmental act. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back. We're talking with Gary Cohen, co-founder and president of Healthcare Without Harm. The nonprofit helped slash the amount of toxic waste coming from hospitals in the 1990s, and now it's focused on helping healthcare fight climate change. Gary, I'm curious, how has COVID affected the momentum on reducing healthcare's carbon footprint? COVID has cut both ways in an interesting way. In some cases, the hospitals were traumatized themselves and the staff was so traumatized themselves they couldn't focus on anything other than COVID and that made total sense and it's still true in many hospitals. In other hospital systems there were major commitments around bold climate goals at the same time as COVID was happening why? The Caldor Fire in Northern California continues to rage as crews work to because keep Because in the it last two years, we've had 42 extreme weather events in the United States. The Dallas-Fort Worth area has seen the coldest temperatures in a generation this week. Each with of them costing more than a billion dollars. A series of tornadoes tore across six states last Friday. So At we've seen the recognition that... Healthcare needs to be addressing the climate crisis even as they're having to respond to this COVID pandemic. Gary, there are still 75% of health systems out there that are not on board. There are lots of reasons that we've heard why not. It's too expensive. There are other priorities. They're busy with COVID. What's one meaningful step that virtually all U.S. hospitals could take in 2022 and start moving this forward. Every hospital in America could green their operating room. That means using safer anesthesia, reprocessing, reusing some of the materials they use instead of throwing them away. Every hospital could do that. And hundreds of hospitals have already done it. And we've shown how much money it can save them. So it's a no-brainer. 
so there's about a quarter of hospitals that are engaged on the in this. path. They're on the path. They're on the path. Ten, fair enough, and ten percent that are really engaged. But to make a dent in this eight and a half percent carbon footprint, this sector being a major, major polluter in our country, we're going to need all those other hospitals to get on board. They're not doing it on their own, Gary, as you are acutely aware. What are a couple of policies, just two or three, that you think we need to see the other hospitals come in line? Well, an innovative strategy would be to get the Joint Commission, who accredits hospitals, to make climate action a quality measure in healthcare delivery. That would get all the hospitals in America evaluating their climate plans and demonstrating that to the Joint Commission. But one of the most important policy initiatives the federal government could enact is to require hospitals to measure their greenhouse gas emissions and make progress on their climate goals as a condition of being reimbursed by Medicare. In other words, if a hospital doesn't measure its greenhouse gases and doesn't make progress on reducing its climate footprint, they wouldn't get paid by Medicare. Just this week, the Federal Securities and Exchange Commission proposed requiring all publicly traded companies to report their greenhouse gas emissions each year. This would apply to hundreds of hospitals nationwide, including some of the country's largest health systems like HCA, CHS, and Tenet. Gary, has the Biden administration actually done anything to suggest they'd be willing to take such a big swing at this? Are we seeing, for example, the administration force companies, hospitals, drug makers, etc., to do anything that they've not done before? The Biden administration is requiring federal facilities, the Veterans Administration, the Indian Health Service, the military hospitals, to be tracking not only their energy use, but all of the supply chain climate footprint. So that's new. And that's going to drive billions of dollars of purchasing for low carbon, more sustainable technologies. That's brand new. And what about this new climate office Biden opened up at HHS? Is there anything happening there? This new Office of Climate Change and Health Equity is exploring how can we get the rest of the hospitals in the country to to follow on this same path? What incentives can we put together? What training programs can we put together? What tools can we offer the hospitals so that they can also travel down this path? So I think all of those things are on the table. So in your mind, Gary, what's the clearest indicator that that hospital executives, supply chain companies are taking this seriously? So, so hospital executives now are committing their entire institutions toward measurable climate goals to become carbon neutral. Some of the largest systems in the United States are making those commitments. And these are institutions with 150 hospitals, 180 hospitals, and thousands and thousands of clinics. Um, and so that's new. And that is a harbinger for the rest of the sector. Do you feel like you've been successful? I'd say we're in the top of the fourth inning. What's the score? Score is we're starting to win. When we were going to have the climate treaty negotiations in Glasgow, 
Healthcare Without Harm got together with the World Health Organization and the British government and asked countries to commit to decarbonize their healthcare systems and to make them more resilient in the face of climate change. 52 countries, a quarter of all the countries in the world, signed up for that health program, including the U.S. government. So the momentum to address climate as a fundamental health issue exponentially accelerated in the last year. That gives me an enormous amount of hope that we have countries to work with, we have healthcare systems to work with. I just think there's incredible momentum to move on this issue, and I'm more hopeful than I've been in 30 years. Gary, thanks for taking the time to talk to us on Tradeoffs. Thanks for having me, guys. In June, the Biden administration announced that more than 60 health systems, drug makers, insurance companies, and suppliers had signed a climate change pledge. They include some of the largest healthcare organizations in the country who promised to cut their greenhouse gas emissions by 50% by 2030, achieve net zero emissions by 2050, and come up with plans to prepare their facilities for climate emergencies. I'm Dan Gorenstein. This is Tradeoffs. of people on Medicaid actually get coverage through private insurers. It's called Medicaid Managed Care, and the idea was to reduce Medicaid spending while increasing access and quality. So, has it worked? We return to the research corner to dig into the evidence next time on Tradeoffs. If you enjoyed today's episode of Tradeoffs, don't keep it to yourself. Tell someone else about it, friend, colleague, family member. Better still, leave a rating or a review wherever you subscribe to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, where in all the places. The Tradeoffs team is producers Ryan Levy and Andrea Perdomo, Executive Director Jessica Silverman, Communications Manager Nora Tahiri, Senior Health Policy Editor Sarah Thomas, Sound Designer Andrew Perella, Executive Editor Dan Gorenstein, and Senior Producer Leslie Walker. The Tradeoffs theme song was composed by Ty Sitterman with additional music this episode from Epidemic Sound and Blue Dot Sessions. Additional thanks to Jody Sherman, Shanita Johnson, Natasha DeJarnette, and the Tradeoffs Advisory Board. Thanks also to all our listeners who helped to support our work, including David and Lori Levy, Aaron Kirk, and Jill Horowitz. Tradeoffs is supported by the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, Arnold Ventures, West Health, the Better Care Playbook, the Leonard Davis Institute of Health Economics at the University of Pennsylvania, the Sozose Foundation, and the National Institute for Healthcare Management Foundation. The views expressed in this episode are those of the individuals and not those of trade-off staff, advisors, or funders. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.